So I I went through this period where I called it like my restaurants and rent life because yeah. all I could spend all I spent my money on was my rent oh, and going and, and yeah. going to nice restaurants. But that's like, also like a passion because you love food. <laughs> you love food. Yeah. I do. And I went in and with my little BlackBerry, this is like before iPhones, I took photos of shit and I wrote up like a marketing plan yeah. and I used to send these letters to these five-star hotels and the, the group I got a call back from was Gordon Ramsay and Mark Swearing. <laughs> and I found myself going, I basically pitched for a job yeah. that didn't exist yeah. and got it. My guest today is Tash Menon, founder of the globally successful alternative creative and advertising agency, MASH. Tash, at a very tender age, was a semi-professional basketballer and had a scholarship to move to US, but due to an injury, she took on a different path and moved to London to find a new direction. Over the next decade, she worked with some of the world's top chefs, including Marcus Waring and Gordon Ramsay. Using the connections she made and her creativity dealing with problem solving within the hospitality and luxury lifestyle industry, it led her to create her own agency, MASH. Her business MASH curates and connects clients with referral-only freelancers in the communications and creative profession. Founded in 2018, MASH is now active in six continents, 14 countries, and collaborates with more than 100 highly vetted and experienced freelancers. Welcome, Tash, and thank you so much for coming in today. I know you're a very busy girl, and um, you've taken some time out of your diary, which I'm very grateful for. Thanks, Daisy. This is it's nice to be nice and a bit different talking to you like this, but hey, why not? I'll give it a go. So let's start. Like for those of you listening in and don't know who Tash is, Tash is a very dear friend of mine. We work a lot together as well. There's usually some wine. Yeah, there's also somewhere. always some wine <laughs> and a lot of good food. Um, Tash and I have, you know, a lot of mutual friends and we enjoy the good things in life, you know, good food, good wine, good conversations. And we met back in 2018 randomly at an event at the Australian Open. And instantly, I think on that day itself, when we both met, we kind of... I remember you gave me your business card. <laughs> she meant business that day. I- I think I was the last person that actually gave me a business card oh and I got there. I'd only just moved to Melbourne. I didn't know many people and had a bit of a bit of a chin wag with Daisy and she drops her business card. And I'm like, who's this woman? <laughs> who's but this bitch? I, to- I totally gave her, I gave, I dropped her a text. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, I think from then on we kicked off, we discovered that we had mutual friends because obviously you've worked in the hospitality industry for a fair bit, both in London. <laughs> and here in Australia so that was great you know we just kicked it off instantly and I, I was gonna say I think it was for me I was just blown away by your by your work ethic I know that was something when we initially started hanging out all the fun aside it was kind of there was a lot of play but there was always work and I think that's something that you and I really did share that we weren't going to shy away from that And I know for a fact in a lot of my more challenging times, you've definitely been a mate that I've called and just been like, oh my God, (laughs) what am I doing with my life? And then when there's been really great times, it's been equally like going, well, let's go celebrate. So I'm I'm super chuffed to be here today. Thank you so much for asking me to join. Absolute pleasure. So now I want to talk about, obviously this whole podcast is about your turning points, the moments in your life where you go, ah, oh, damn, like, I, I wish I could take that opportunity. I wish I, I can do this and that. And then you do, but you 
also a crossing into the unknown. You're going into this side of things that you, you've never ventured in before. And whatever opportunities you get, you make it a success. And I think in this day and age, what I love about the style of work that you do with MASH is the fact that you can be sipping cocktails by the beach in San Sebastian or having a coffee and croissant in Paris overlooking the Eiffel Tower. Instead, I'm in Melbourne and it's Except they're in Melbourne, raining. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that's a minor detail. But, but that's, that's COVID, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the fact that you can be anywhere, basically, in the world and you've basically created a creative agency that deals with strategy, marketing, anything from design, web design, you've kind of got this talent to create teams that work with your clients. So let's talk about MASH a bit further down the track, but let's start with you. You you grew up in Melbourne and then you were a semi-professional basketballer. <laughs> yeah, I think what? you just <laughs> It's not something that comes up much anymore. Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Well, I actually I actually didn't grow up in Melbourne. I was born in Perth yep. in WA yeah. and my father was in the Air Force. So we moved a lot growing up and sport was somewhat my currency growing up. I'm of Australian Indian descent. A lot of the country towns that we lived in I'll be honest, I was the only person that looked like me there, but I was um, quite lucky that I could run a little bit. So it was kind of every time we moved towns, my dad would be taking me to go try a new sport. And I wasn't, my brother was super coordinated. I was not, but luckily when it came to basketball, weirdly, I I did all right. You killed it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far when I started. I basically wanted to join because there was the boys basketball team. And I'm like, oh, I want to go like check them out when I was 11 (laughs) rather than going and playing netball. (laughs) But, um, But no, look, Basketball was a huge part of my life and it really helped me form a strong part of my identity. I was the sporty girl at school. I was lucky enough to work quite hard whilst I was in high school and get offered a fully paid scholarship to go to the US. Amazing. And I was a realist that it was never going to be my career. Like I knew that I was never going to one day make money out of but this. But it was your passion. It though. was my passion. And yeah. I think that's the consistency with me. And from the days I played basketball to the business I have now – I'm a very value-driven person. Like, I can't fake things or pretend to be someone else. And the interesting thing, talking about turning points, I'd probably say there's been two major turning points for me. One, Mm -hmm. when I had my injury and I had to quit playing basketball, I completely spiralled because I didn't know who I was. I was 19, like, you get it. And I... I don't get how young girls now, the challenges they would face in COVID that we've just been in, you know? And that led me to just kind of go, screw it. Um, and I, uh, I'm moving to London. I'm moving to London, yeah. So I, I, I've decided to – my parents were pretty strict and mm. so I was at uni and so I, I applied for a scholarship to go to finish my degree in London and I got it and I didn't tell them and then I basically just booked all my flights and stuff and said, cool, I'm, I'm moving to London for three months. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not only were you sporty, you were also academically – very switched on. So right, I'm Indian. <laughs> it, it comes part of the territory. It was basically like my parents were like, you, we'll support you in all your sport. Do you play the piano? No, no. <laughs> I, I was the brown girl that ran instead of the one that was like playing violin. But um, no, no, no. It was <laughs> no, like, I mean, that was basically the deal I had with my family. They're yeah. like, we'll support you in all your sport, but your grades have to be there. And I was. I mean, you know me, Daisy. I'm a pretty competitive person. I think that kind of stayed. I, I was the person that. Actually, I'd get upset if I didn't do well at school. I had to be this hyper achiever, which I've kind of 
as I've gotten older, definitely tamed down. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've, my work-life balance now is the most important thing to me. Yeah. And yeah, I, I went with the intent to be in London for three months and I was there for almost nine years. So Gosh. it was a solid innings. Your prime years. My prime years. Or, there was, or was it, are we in our prime years now? <laughs> Well, it was me, it was a tipping point. That's I'm like, thing. I either leave London now or yeah. I'm in serious trouble by the time I get to my 40s. But look, I think coming from a really structured, disciplined background in sport mm-hmm. and then suddenly going into having lived literally in large country towns or I was in Brisbane before I moved overseas and then literally rocking up in Piccadilly Circus I (laughs) walked around Soho the day I got there uh, talked myself into getting a job at a bar started working that night and was earning like five pounds an hour working in a in a nightclub bar you're like Um, god no yeah well I was 19 and I just didn't care I just like I needed to do something different because I'd spent my teenage years, training twice a day, tournaments all weekends. What, what did the Indian parents say to that? I don't, you? Oh, well, you, 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 know, you know my folks. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they, they're chill. They, yeah, they're so great. They, look, they were very supportive. And it was funny because what happened was and why I intended on staying overseas for so long, I was working this crappy job in a bar, earning no money. And I thought, you know what, leading into Christmas, I'm just going to find a better job. And my whole intent was to quit. You know, I don't, I don't provide that as advice to people today, but that was my intent. Then I was like, I was going to take a job that I'm going to make more money, go travel and then quit. Well, you had an exit plan. I did. So there's nothing wrong with that. I did. Mm. And then I talked my way, I was, I hadn't turned 20 yet, but I talked my way into a consultancy that focused on fine dining events and hotels for, I mean, the events that we were focusing on are the likes of the Brit Awards, London Fashion Week, all the Queen's Garden parties, every five-star hotel. So yeah. as a young girl from Australia, rocking up. I mean, yeah. it, it was... Just, just, a, just a small event. Yeah, yeah, it was just glossy as. And I was just like, I have to get this job. And I got it. And I remember this was an interesting thing. I, I had a young love from Australia. A guy that I was dating was going to come over and meet me in London. And we broke up and I was devastated. And I told my dad, I was like... I don't want to stay here. And my dad actually turned to me. He's like, you've just scored an amazing opportunity with this job. Yeah. Stay. Yeah. And so I stayed and I stayed in that company. I was with them for five years. And by the time I was 25, I was general manager for central London and southern England. I had a team of 16 people and we were doing all the staffing and recruitment for the types of events that I just spoke about. So it was... That time of my career was such hustle, yeah. but it was such an amazing way to learn business mm. because I had a CEO who kind of knew I was young, hungry, and like mm. pretty pretty passionate, yes. and he gave me one of the biggest lessons I kind of learned with how yeah. I run my business now, which was if you find that in people, give them freedom, but set them goals. Yeah. And that's what he said. He just basically gave me, this is what your targets yeah. are, how you get there. It's up, up to, to you. you. Which is very interesting given that time period where autonomous working wasn't as big then. I mean, it is now. It's apparent now. It's all the vogue. Uh, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> But back then that would have been such a new thing, you know. Yeah, it was. It, you're, you're so right because that sentiment is kind of something I got attracted to with the types of work and projects I took mm. on. And when I had the chance to work for Marcus Waring and that was part of Gordon Ramsay Holdings and Marcus was his business partner, it it was such a shift in dynamic because I went from working in this, 
large corporate that, yes, had a magnificent portfolio of clients and events and brands we worked with to what looked and felt like a very high-profile brand. You mm-hmm. know, obviously everyone knew the chefs, they, they knew their restaurants, but the biggest learning was these guys have made their own way with their own money. And one of the things I picked up with them about working autonomously is they attracted really amazing people. They worked them really hard. And even though I wasn't in the kitchen, like the way I was, I want to say the way I was treated, because I learned so much out of that role that like working for them and I loved it. The environment I was in was tough. Yeah. But the the way it was, we'll give you that freedom to do however you want to do. Just make sure it delivers. Yeah. And I think it was probably the only way I could probably would have been manageable, to be honest, because I was just so like, yep, 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 going to do this, going to do that. And yeah, I think that was probably one of my first sort of tasters of working with that culture of having freedom and then finding fulfillment through it. Absolutely. I'm all for it. You know, like I think uh, given what I do day to day and the style of work that I do, like every day I wake up, I'm like, okay, what's today? (laughs) I don't have the same week. My calendar never looks the same every week. And whilst I'm such a structured human I find it quite interesting that I actually adapt to this sort of work culture very well because I do actually like routine yeah like I I wish that sometimes I go oh wow because coming from Deloitte that sort of corporate structural background and I'm like well wouldn't it be nice to get a paycheck every month like yeah but then it's so different now but I don't think I can ever look back and go I want that lifestyle again because I feel that it's exciting it's what excites me it's what makes me jump out of bed every morning and go let's tackle today and tomorrow will be a different day and the next week will be a different week that that's it and I sort of talk about this now with a number of the people we have the opportunity to work with so we work with just over a hundred mashes as we call them a yeah. hundred freelance marketing creative experts from around the world and they to be a masher you have to be referred so you yeah. can't actually apply So one of the big things we look for is that attitude. It's people who not only are just great at what they do. So I always say it's not about what's on your CV because when you're working for someone, you can be exceptional at your job. It's not about that. It's it's more than that. You've got to have that get up and go to not half of its attitude. Totally, totally. Um, Like because God, it's. You get you get slapped around. You, you can be the best at you can be the best at your job, but if you have the wrong attitude, you, mate, you get nowhere, right? I think the best advice I got was from my younger brother, who's a annoyingly wise, annoyingly wise, but not as good as you in basketball. Oh no, so. he, he was better. Oh, <laughs> He's just like genuinely better in life than me. Like, but no, I love uh, him dearly. But um, he said, I remember it was like around the time I was sort of tiptoeing about jumping and starting Mash. And I'm, I'm on the phone to him and I was just like, you know, kids, like giving every excuse in the world. And it was all first worldish. I've my rent, this, that. And he's like, Natasha, get over yourself. And I was like, oh, ow. <laughs> like, sorry, what? And he's like, no, seriously, you've been talking about this idea for so long. Just if you really want to do it, put do your it. ego to the door. Yeah. Because, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think we're also afraid at times totally. of failing or what others think. And I think... It's it, you still have to be respectful in your approach and how you do what you do, but if you start doing it for the right reasons, yeah. you realise it's for you of course. rather than what others expect of you. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the ego piece isn't as challenging. 
yeah. to come across. Every day is hard work, right? Yeah. Like every day you, there's not a single day where you don't have stress, but it's how you manage that stress and how you manage expectations of your clients, even your personal life and how you find that balance. So now moving on from London. Yeah. So after Marcus Waring, you stayed on for nine years yeah. in London. Did you did you work anywhere else? Yeah, oh, I had sort of two key jobs when yeah. I was there. So that consultancy I was with, it was about five and a half or six years. And yeah. then I was with Marcus for three. And no, so that, I mean, but it was such a awesome, I, I sort of say like what I learned through that time and what I was exposed to. It's the foundation for. Oh, it was insane. Yeah, what yeah, you do now. It was insane. And like, there were a lot of very challenging times in that. And some really good lessons for, particularly for a lot of young people who may be very ambitious. Mm. I think London was such a wonderful springboard to go do some really great things. But I went to start a business with my first boss at the age of 25. And I had this, I don't think I've ever told you this, but it's kind of a bit funny, a bit lame. But when I was young, like when I was a teenager, like just finished high school, I interned at Cosmo magazine. And at at the time, Mia (laughs) Freeman was the editor Uh of Cosmo. Uh And there was, it was all the news that she was editor of Cosmo by the age of 25 uh-huh. and so in my head I just went I want to start a business by the time I'm 25 yep. like I just like most girls are like I want to get married when I'm 25 I was like I'm going to yeah. start a business when I'm 25 <laughs> and I just had that number locked in my head and my old boss and I were going to start a business together and I found out after I quit my job that he was involved in some other areas that I didn't want to be associated with which meant I all of a sudden found myself in this position. I was on my own having built my sort of career and reputation for the X number of years I was there and had offers from all of our competitors, but it gave me the opportunity to go, Mm. where do I want to take my career? Which is where I was so fascinated what was happening in the restaurant world. I started writing letters to chefs. So that's how... So I love that. It's so funny. Like, like who the heck was I? Never worked in marketing or uh-huh. anything like that. I saw a lot of chefs were building out groups. People were now looking at building, like, communities and restaurants, like, through digital. So I I went through this period where I called it, like, my restaurants and rent life because yeah. all I could spend – all I spent my money on was my rent oh, and, going and, and yeah. going to nice restaurants. That's like, also, like, a passion because you love food. <laughs> you love food. Yeah. I do. And I went in and with my little BlackBerry – this is, like, before iPhones <laughs> – I took photos of shit and I – wrote up like a marketing plan yeah. and I used to send these letters to these five-star hotels and the the group I got a call back from was Gordon Ramsay and Marcus Waring. <laughs> and I found myself Good going, you. I basically pitched for a job yeah. that didn't exist yeah. and got it. <laughs> I love that. So that, that, that to me is like a turning point in your life, right? Like you had your business partner that you had set out to set up a company and then obviously things fell apart and didn't go your way and and then you just seeked out different opportunities and I love the fact that you, it was kind of like cold calling, like just... Totally, and I think that's, on reflection, I didn't realise I used to do this when I was younger. Like now I realise it's such a big part of how I am and who I how I work. Like my, my friends joke about my sort of how I hustle, but I don't, I I don't think hustle is a dirty word. It's one of those things where it's, it's all about, it's value exchange. Yes. Do you know? And it's like, if you find the right people. Correct. That you can. That's exactly right. You got to find the people that 
also want to do it for the for, right reasons. for the right reasons. Yeah. That's where you get the most value. Totally, out of and these. It, I so agree. And I think like I I always used to say because like we all have insecurities, you mm. know. God forbid I do. And but I used to say when it came to work and what I did. I I never felt afraid to ask yeah. because it was separate to who I am. <laughs> you know what my mum always says? If you don't ask, you don't get. Don't get. It's yeah, it's like an Asian mum thing, isn't yeah. it? If you don't ask, you don't you get. Don't get. Oh, yeah, no. But no, it's true. And I, I like I, I say that a lot now, particularly to to women that I work with, or yeah. particularly young women. It's you know, there's a lot of trepidation about how to be and how to act. And my one piece of advice around that is. As long as you're clear yeah. on what is right and wrong and what's your values, mm. that's who you are. Yeah. But then what you do with that in a professional sense is just what you do. Yeah. So don't be nervous or afraid because no one can shake that. And no. I think that's just always been, and I think particularly working with chefs in that sort of environment, I had to very quickly become like that because... Yeah, because they move quick and it's just like things change in that space so quickly. There's always the next next new thing, the next new restaurant, the next new... Project um, totally, and, and and I just didn't want to be perceived, and I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way. I just didn't want to be perceived as just some marketing girl taking yeah. photos because I kind of knew I was smarter than that. Yeah. And I sort of went in, and I was like, "Look, the way I'm going to work with you is to actually help areas of your business to get better." Yeah. How I do it is through this skill set. Yeah. So I, I I took a really different lens in terms of like I guess how I would act and approach them, and I think that's what actively kind of got me to have like a mutual level of respect yeah. with the people I was working with. Yeah. So it was hard, but I mean, at the end of nine years, I, I was just exhausted. To yeah. And then from then on, why did you decide to come back to Australia? Well, because like, nine years, nine years of your prime years. Yeah. Can change someone where you live, people you hang out with. Obviously, you've got still do have a lot of good connections and friends and family. I'd say as well in the UK, and it's hard moving back. Definitely, I never thought I was going to live back in Australia. Yeah. I, I really did think I was going to move to the US or just somewhere else. And I, I loved travel. I was still really keen to start my own business, but I know, knew for a fact I didn't want an agency. Uh, or traditional agency and for a number of reasons which I can speak to but to be honest the reason I moved back I ended up going through a breakup when I came back to Australia and that was sort of again I guess a turning point in the sense that I realized that there were certain things I needed to do for myself before I settle in some ways you know and I I went and did my master's in Sydney and I planned to be there for one year and then move back to to London and I didn't. I just got, oh, my God, the sun's beautiful. Yeah, the, the weather's great. <laughs> the weather's great. People the are really nice. Really the food's really good. Nice. Yeah, and look, I, I just fell in love with Australia again. Yeah. I think I just really started to appreciate Reconnect. home. Mm. Yeah. I kind of just worked and studied and just enjoyed Sydney for a few years. My role in Sydney had an APAC remit, so I was travelling a lot to Asia, which yeah, is right. really – So that kind of – fulfilled that sort of travel bug that you had in you. Totally, totally. So I was going to Indonesia, Singapore, Japan, the Maldives. Like it was a, it it was a, again, working for another very entrepreneurial chef. It was a great platform to start seeding out how I was going to do this business. And I had the idea for MASH. I was what, 31? I was earning decent money, you know, and I'd I'd come from a, a very sort of middle class working family and I all of a sudden had the absolute freedom to do what I want, buy what I want. 
I didn't have the guts to start my own business. And instead, I had a carrot dangled in front of me for this role that on paper was bloody great. It was more money than I'd ever seen. It was the first time I've ever taken a role for money. Yeah, right. And it felt wrong from the second that you, I, you that I looked that at it. Yeah. I just, it was for me, the way I tried to justify it in my head at that time was, okay, Tash, if you do this, you can save a heap of money yeah, and right. then you can have that security blanket for when you start your business. Because I feel like, I guess maybe the generation we're in compared to younger people these days, there was like this bit more of a... Oh my pressure. God. Yeah, yeah. There was it's just pressure. Um, expectation. Risk expectations yeah. for fear of loss. And I was like, cool, I'll move to Melbourne. And what did I do? No, I didn't save any more. <laughs> I got myself a baller apartment. But also, <laughs> but also, what I think when you're given an opportunity like that and it's hard to say no to and the money's great, the, it, it also comes down to the lifestyle that you're accustomed to. All right, and I say this with all due respect, like some people have different lifestyles and they, they choose to live that way. And I always say this, like, I don't understand people that eat to fuel themselves. I never understand that. Like for me, I have whatever I eat, even if it's a eggs on toast, it has to be delicious. Like everything needs to be. I know how you eat. <laughs> you do, you do. But you go to Diana's house for pasta. She's like, hey, do you want to just come over for pasta? I get there. She's like kneading dough to make the pasta. I'm like, this is not what is going on. Yeah, I don't do things in house. No, okay? no, no, <laughs> definitely not. But yeah, it depends on, on, on the lifestyle as well. So Because your mind was open. You had experienced all these different travel experiences and, and worked with so many big chefs, big companies, mm-hmm. that luxury brands, that nothing could ever tick that unless it was your own I think is that is that what was that totally totally and I think also like it was uh, as uh, again being hardworking, being ambitious there was levels of aspiration that Mm -hmm. I wanted to hit with that but what I realized and it was a complete blessing in disguise that's why I talk about it really openly that I I I chose this job for all the wrong reasons is that when you do that I'm a firm believer the world spits it back in your face because never have I taken a decision that was so misaligned with my own values. So much so within four months of that, I essentially got unfairly dismissed from that company. It was horrific. And it was the first time in my life, you know, we've all gone through difficulties or challenges, but never have I been bullied or made to feel really unjust yeah do you want to talk more about that mm. yeah I mean it was um I was completely blindsided yeah I we was, don't have to name names yeah, here yeah, but we yeah. can just talk <laughs> about like yeah the yeah what what kind of caused that like I mean four months is is pr- probation period still? Yeah, yeah 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 it was and obviously I, I was paid out for it etc but essentially I wasn't the right cultural fit yeah um what that meant was the fact that I was thinking far too big In in my own perspective, but there was a whole range of reasons that I won't go into. But I was in a senior executive role. I was the firstly the only female. I was probably the youngest by about twenty odd years. It was a learning curve, and I I was absolutely shattered. And it's funny we we just talked about a certain lifestyle. What this did for me though was literally shook me to the bone because mm. I had to make a decision. I, I had money saved to buy an apartment and if I was going to start and start a business, when this happened, and I remember it so vividly, like this, I got called into a boardroom, there was nobody there, um, I didn't have any HR representation or whatnot, 
Literally. Were you nervous? You would have been nervous I, or were you just I, like... No, I was completely blindsided yeah. because the actual my performance was exceeding all expectations. Yeah. It was one of those things where I, I recognised where my value lie yeah. and I made a decision that I was never going to work for anyone else again. That's cool. And so that was like your, your the oh, moment. That was the absolute time. I literally, okay, so I drove, I don't know where, and I ended up going to some <laughs> Spanish cafe. Like I was crying and I was went to some Spanish cafe. I don't even like churros. I ended up buying bloody churros and I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out <laughs> eating churros on my phone oh. registering MASH. It's a great name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Also kind of right. Well, so right <laughs> your name, <laughs> no, to do that. But, you know, like, Daisy, oh, honestly, God. I gave up everything that I knew at that point. So I'd, I'd just gone through a breakup not too long ago. I was going to buy an apartment. I couldn't buy an apartment then because that was my savings. I was about to start a business. I moved out of my apartment and I moved in with my parents. Yeah. Um, I think that's when you and I became friends, yeah. actually. I was like, where do you like, where do you live? I'm like, in the burbs. It's <laughs> <laughs> how you feel at 32. It's great. Um, and it was just one of those things. Like, I, I started the business there, um, literally hustling off their dining table. Um, the whole idea for me was when when this happened and I felt that, you know, it could it, to some it may sound a bit melodramatic, but for me it was it, it was such a loss of everything that was kind of like around me within that. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to build a business that allows me to live a certain lifestyle that I want to live. So I, I kind of said, blue sky, what does that look like? So I, I always say like I professionally grew up in London, so it needs to have the ability to reach London. Yeah. I want to have Australia as our head office because that's where my home is but I want to be able to have a connection and association at least with Asia. Yeah. And so the whole idea was to build an ecosystem that had no walls but a portfolio of the best creative talent or some of the best creative talent in the world that brands can have access to and we can actually curate teams specific to what they're looking for. Yeah. And so they're just paying for the work, not all the overheads. Yeah. So starting that on my parents' table today, we have, yeah, 104 mashes. We have projects running across the US, Southeast Asia, UK and Australia. All over the world, really. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. My my business partner, Sarah, um, which is another story, she um, lives in Thailand yeah. and she heads up um, all of our operations. And I always say, like, it, it's it's been seriously crazy as soon as I started being super true to myself and how I wanted my life to look and actually just really going with it. It's insane the people that fall into it. Yeah. You're, you're one of them, you know? Yeah. Like you, you attract similar minds, basically. You That's, do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a hell of a ride, yeah. but... Um, you know, those sort of three key turning points for me were just uh, this wouldn't have happened without those. Without yeah, without the experiences that you went through. Um, I'm also curious, like with your meshes. Mm-hmm. So meshes basically are the team that you create, and they they can be anywhere from you know London yep. to Singapore to Tokyo to Dubai. They can be anywhere working on this one project, be it however big or small. Yep. it may be. What time zone do you work on? <laughs> we work literally working across all of those time zones. Right. So me personally, like that's why my physical team is structured around the world. Like we only have four of us here in Australia. The rest are actually abroad and it allows us to work 24 hours. It's the way forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I, you know, the team and I, you know, we, we have a really strong sort of like mm. good work-life balance. Mm. Like I start most days after 9, 9.30. Um, I'm done by, by like 5.36. No, you're uh, not. <laughs> yeah. For me, I'm not a night. You're done, you're done but you're not because I, I, I get it. Like when you're, when, you're, when you're running your own business, there's always something. I still love keeping fit and stuff. So like I'll, like yesterday I finished work at three, I went for a swim <laughs> and then I was working last night. Mm. Like, but yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Equally on the flip side, you work when you have to, you work when you, and that's the whole, you oh, should sorry. have a tagline, do it in your own time. I do it. But just get it done. Yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty much sounds like, no, it is true. No, I mean, our whole thing is um having the freedom to choose work that fulfills you. Yeah. So it's, you know, we're seeking to work with those who, do you know what, who actually are good enough yeah. to pick and choose what sort of work they do. Yeah. Because if a client approaches us, yeah. anyone who's on their project 
we're not just placing people. Mm. People are choosing to, to be. Yeah. And we're going, right. do you want to do this? They're like, yes, okay, cool. It's kind of like a bid. Like it a, is. A, a we're like brokering yeah, people correct, for talent. Correct. And so we've never, you know, we've spent less than 1% of our revenue in the last three years on marketing. Yeah. You know, like all of our business has been driven it's, through word of mouth yeah. because it's just sort of like having an ongoing relationship and having the people that are loyal to you come back. Yeah. I mean, also one of the things that you would face on a day-to-day basis is, as we said, um, dealing with people yeah so dealing with the more the more people the bigger the team the more people you have to deal with the more people you deal with the more mm-hmm. characters attitudes there's always that the difficulty of managing expectations with everyone you know you're, you're, you've got the client on one side but then you also have your own team that you have to look after it, well for any masher the, the biggest value for them is that they've got a mash manager that actually looks after them in a project. Yeah. So for them, my whole sort of rule as I started to get to know freelancers or people who are very good at working for themselves is they just want to do the work. They yeah. want it, they don't want to deal. Yeah. So we don't charge or mashers um, get paid project fees, yeah. not an hourly rate mm. or anything like that. But I get think, the job done. Get the job done. Yeah. But I think that going back to managing expectations, um, you know, my whole rule is when you're dealing with people and us being human ourselves, we are going to make mistakes. Mm. And the only way you can navigate that is just by being deadly honest and transparent. Mm. I have made, my team and I have made multiple mistakes, mm. but so has everyone else. When you're working with people, the only way that you can bring the best out of them is by understanding what everyone's expectations are yeah. and then best navigate that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, Tash, I've just got one last question for you. And I think that a lot of our listeners would probably take away. What advice do you have for people who are wanting to start their own company? Always had this passion, always had this idea. You know, a lot of people are not as gut as you, you know, to pick up the phone or write a letter <laughs> and create interviews. Um, what, what sort of, what advice do you have for, for people that are wanting to do that, wanting to seek opportunities? Because there's so many talented individuals out there yeah. that just, I guess, don't have the balls to do it. Yeah. No, look, I, something I, I say all the time when I get asked that question is if you don't know the answer or more so if you're unsure, and this is what I do and I'm sure, I go talk about it to as many people as possible, yeah. not in terms of help me, help me but more so to go, I'd love to get anybody's opinion because the more opinions you hear, the more you can decipher where you sit mm. in that radar. Mm-hmm. And because I think a lot of times when we're struck with a problem, we, we're just struck with fear and we're like, oh, what do I do? But then actually, if you if you say speak to five people, I actually gave this advice to a member of my team the other day because she is sort of looking at um, evolving, I guess, part of her role. And she was looking for mentors in that space. And she, she said she's been talking about this for quite some time. And I said, who have you spoken to about it? And she said, well, no one is yet. I'm like, well, just top of mind, we came up with five people that she could just pick up the phone to talk to because it doesn't need to be Mm. someone, you know, unreachable. It it literally could just be a friend. It could be uh, a person at your gym. It could be, and what you'll find is however small or however big their opinion is, you'll start navigating where you sit, whether you agree or disagree. Somebody says something to you and you have to like, if your gut's like, "Uh," listen to that "Uh," sound straight away, even if you don't understand. If they say something and you go, hmm, and you're leaning in, keep leaning in because yeah. that will get you more comfy with yeah. like finding your own thing. For those listening in, I hope you've taken away um, some good advice from Tash and, and, and myself as well. And then from this chat that we've had, I think you're, you're incredibly impressive. You're such a vibrant, beautiful, young woman um, chasing her dreams and just killing it every day. And I know this because I know you personally. And if you're a freelancer, whether you do creative uh, marketing strategy, comms, everything in that space looking for work uh wanting to express yourself in a different way um you know you know what mash is all about now yeah hit thisismash.com 
um, and you, you'll find the team there so you can get in contact with them. A big fat thank you um, to you for coming in and keep doing what you're doing because I know you're going to take over the world one day. So. <laughs> no, look, thank you. And this is such a treat. And uh, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, like, yeah, massive congratulations to you too. Oh, Diana you. just sort of called me. She's like, so do you want to come on this podcast? I'm like, sorry, what, what podcast? She's like, oh, I've got a podcast. I'm like, what? <laughs> just, just, just like you, mate. Like yeah. this other thing that I'm doing. But, you know, what, whatever we do, we do it well, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, no, thank, thank you. you, my love. I really appreciate it. <laughs> awesome.